This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 25 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, Arabian Nights and Creepy Headless Donkeys. We thank our sponsor, SiteLogic Marketing. Join their webmanship clinic and learn how to effectively market your horse business online. Visit them at webmanshipclinic.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. We bring you the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop This is Glenda Geek And I'm Helena B And this is the Stable Scoop Radio Show On the Horse Radio Network Hey Helena, we made it episode number 25 that is some anniversary. I know. We're a quarter of a century old now. When did we start this thing anyway? We st- uh, September, I think, so that's almost six months. Pretty good. Yeah, time flies. You know, it doesn't seem like we've... Sometimes it seems like we've been doing it that long, and then other times it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually when we're stuck inside and there's a snowstorm or an ice storm. and That's been this whole winter. I'll tell you what, we had that horrendous ice storm last week. We had another four inches yesterday. It just we had four inches quit. yesterday. Did you? Yeah. It doesn't, this is the never-ending winter. Why did you move, by the way? <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, it's been about the same as it is in Boston. Yeah. yeah. So it's our 25th episode, and we've, got to intervie- we've gotten to interview some really neat people. Uh, we've had a lot of fun shows. It's, it's truly been a, a, a fun show to do. I've learned so much in the last six months just from talking to, setting up interviews and talking to, uh, to our guests. Really. Yeah. Really very informative. Yeah, we've had some fun ones. We've had some informative ones. And, you know, I encourage everybody, if you haven't had a chance to listen to the past episodes, they're all there. You can download them through iTunes or just go to the website and listen to them right off the website. They they don't become dated because a lot of the topics are relevant even today. Matter of fact, one of them that I noticed was that the Quarter Horse Congress was dealing with the cloning issue. And remember, we talked to that scientist that that did the cloning there, and he mentioned that they were going to be talking to Quarter Horse Congress. Or what are they going to be talking? Not the Quarter Horse Congress, but the Quarter Horse Association, the AQHA. The AQHA. Yeah. What are they going to be talking about? About whether they were going to allow uh, cloning in the books. So that was one of the things that I think they were t- – I didn't see the results of that meeting. Yeah. But I just thought it was interesting because that's one of the things months ago that we had talked to him about. Well, that was um... – Right, that was the episode where we talked to the Biogen people. Yes, yes. So yep. clearly they're for cloning. Um, when is that meeting taking place? Do you know? I ha- I'd have to look it up again, but I, I think it might have already happened. Okay. Uh, I'll take a look for next week's episode and see if I can get some updates on that. I'm super curious to see how the AQHA deals with this. Yeah, because they're sort of going to be the trendsetter. If they say, oh, this is okay, then you're going to see the others fall into place. Yeah, because they're such a traditional organization. If If they... If they make this leap, that is truly a leap into the new century. Well, yeah, and they're huge. I mean, they're they're the biggest organization, too. So that's why they usually do set the trends on this kind of thing. 
Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Well, that'll relate. But I have no opinion. I'll tell you what. That story, you're as creeped out by that as I am about something we're going to talk about later in the show. That's just a tease, but oh, talk about creepy. Yeah, that's what we should it do. It sort of is, goes all along with that whole cloning sort of creepiness thing. If you're if you're creeped out by cloning, you'll be creeped out by this for sure. People are creepy. People are creepy. I want everybody <laughs> to know that. People are creepy and the things they make are creepy and the things they do are creepy. And we should dedicate this, our 25th episode, to the creepiness of our fellow humans. <laughs> well, I, not so creepy as you just got a new lease horse, didn't you? I did. Um, I have a, a free lease in my barn. His name is Sprite. Um, Hey, we had a horse named Sprite once. Did you? Yeah. Was he gray? He wasn't gray, but he was nuts. (laughs) Is this one nuts? I don't know yet. That's why he's a free lease. We'll see what happens. Some people who have been listening regularly to the show know that um, I had an appendix quarter horse who had to be retired early because of... um, an elbow injury. So, uh, you know, I, I, I can't live without chaos. So I have to go out and find myself another horse. Um, so this guy is almost eight years old. He's an appendix quarter horse. He is gray. He stands 15, three hands. And, um, and his name is Sprite. He is so gosh darn cute. I, you know, he better work out for me because, I, you know, he's been in my barn for four days and I'm already attached to him. <laughs> yeah, but is he nuts? He didn't answer that question. He does weave. Oh, he do- well, that's... He does weave. Um, and, you know, whenever weave. you get somebody in your barn or whenever you, you buy a new horse or you lease a new horse, what they turn out to be is quite often very different than what you were told. Yeah, you have to get them in for a couple of weeks to really see what they're going to be like. Yeah, so I'm trying to like sort of keep what what his owners told me about him in the back of my mind, but really give him a chance to present his true self over time. He's he definitely got off the trailer very nervous, very sweaty, um, and his he was also in a trial home for the last thirty days where he didn't get turnout. And I mean, it's 26 degrees here. He's an eight year old horse with lots of energy, very healthy. We put, we put him in a paddock that had you know, 18 inches of snow. And this, he just took off like a bullet. He was bucking and farting and having a great time. And that snow didn't seem to slow him down one single bit. Well, you didn't have to worry about him falling on his butt. He wouldn't, he wouldn't, he'd it'd be nice soft landing. Oh no. He, he's so athletic. He was up and down a hundred times. Um, you know, and once he got that out of his system, he seemed to settle quite a bit. We'll have to keep an eye on the. As long weaving. as it doesn't do that when you ride him, I mean that's uh, exactly. Be- <laughs> Apparently, he's very quiet under saddle. So I'm going to give him a a few months really to to let his true personality come out. But um, so far, it's looking really good. I'm very excited, but cautiously optimistic. Well, cool. Yeah, cool. and he's got well, great feet. He's barefoot. Oh, good. Yeah, that's always cheaper. <laughs> well, you know, I had. Um, Zeke had French shoes on for for a while, and then once I started hunting him, we had to put uh, shoes all around, and that was really expensive. And once I had to retire him, I decided to try a barefoot trimmer because I figured, well, you know, what do I have to lose? And oh my gosh, the difference in Zeke's feet is absolutely amazing. So um, I, I think I think I might be a convert. I think I might be a real barefoot fan. So the fact that this guy came in without shoes on was uh, was very exciting. So now you said he's an appendix? He's an appendix, yep. Quarter horse thoroughbred. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, well, hopefully you got the best of both there. I, that's Well, that's what I'm shooting for. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of mongrels and mutts and other 
species, dogs in particular. So I like a mix. You know, you, you kind of get the best of both breeds, but you you don't get all the problems that you have with purebred right. beet, you know. Some of the best dogs we've had at the farms over the years have been have been mutts. They've been the best farm dogs ever. Ever. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. I mean, shelter dogs, shelter cats, mutts, mongrels. Oh, my greyhound just perked up and stuck her tongue out at me. So. <laughs> <laughs> she actually took a spill the other day. We have this 12-year-old greyhound who likes to run around and be a nut, just like she was two. And Kyle's pretty old for a greyhound, and she's got, you know, she's had her share of bumps and bruises over the years. And she just was running through the house the other day and tore, uh, tore a muscle in her back end and Aww. was having trouble getting up and down. But yesterday, she still wanted to play. It didn't matter, you know. Greyhounds huh? are greyhounds. Now, will you put, will you give her like a hot water bottle or a heating pad or something? She doesn't go for that kind of stuff. She really is... Uh, just leave me alone. So. Oh, now, see, I have a very different opinion of your dog. She's very much a princess. Yeah, but she doesn't like to be fussed with either. Well, that's true. She doesn't like to be fussed with. So it's okay. just like, and it's getting better. I think she just pulled a muscle. <laughs> uh, anyway, one of these days, one of these days, we're, 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 we keep telling her she's 12 and she needs to slow down, but she's not buying that. No, good. Good, so. good, good. <laughs> good, good, good. All right. Well, on today's show... Uh, other than us just sitting around and chatting, we, we're doing a new segment called Weird Horse News that we'll do occasionally on the show. And I think, I think we have something that's truly weird for you today. Yeah. And then, Are we going to uh, put this video up on the uh, show notes? Yeah, I'm going to put the video up. Okay, I'll put good. them both up. Good. And then our guest today is by the name of Arden Tillman. And she is the barn manager for Arabian Nights in Orlando, Florida. And Arabian Nights is one of the biggest... Uh, horse-related dinner theaters in the country. Yeah, it's very popular. Uh, many people who go to Orlando, to Disney World, end up going one night to Arabian Nights. My wife and I have been there six times. It's funny, I was reading the reviews on it today on, on, on the Internet, and, you know, reviews on the Internet, you sort of have to take it or leave it because yeah. most of they them They can are, write anything. Yeah, and there were, there were a ton of them that just loved it, and then there were a ton of them that flamed it, just hated it. So really? it, it's like anything else. You have to throw out both extremes and look at the middle. Yeah, okay. You know, I personally loved it. You may go and hate it. But I don't know. My wife and I love this show. You know, we, we're performers. We're actors. So we appreciate what goes into the show. Yet yeah. some people were complaining about the food. The food isn't the best. It's banquet food. You know, it's you're not. Right. You're not getting gourmet food at a, at a stadium where there's 1,200 people sitting and eating. Right. Uh, it's just going to be banquet food. So I guess maybe we, when we go to these things, we go in with lower expectations than a lot of people. Well, no, uh, you know, wait a minute. Let's, let's, let's listen to the interview first. And then I want to talk about what you liked about it. And then what you saw, okay. what you saw online about what people didn't like. And then uh, let's listen to the interview first. All right. Sounds good. All, All right. right. Do you want to get to our new segment? Okay. Don't you think it's weird? Well, there's our uh, new bumper for the Weird News of the Week segment that we're going to throw in here every once in a while. And that was actually compliments of Hilary Duff and her song, Weird. It was appropriate that she did a song for us. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> anyway, the one thing I wanted to ask you about, it. this isn't so weird. The next one's going to be weird. But I know that you said you saw the camel dressage video. Why is it I only just saw that? Because um, you... I 
I, I've I been hiding in a hole, maybe. I, it. There's... Well, you know what? I get a lot of stuff, especially for Tack of the Day. I get a lot oh, of that's stuff true. sent to me. But oh, this would be great for Tack of the Day. So, um, I, I think I, it just came across my desk a little earlier than yours. Well, I thought it was fascinating. You know, the fact that that uh, camera was doing side passes and cantering and le- flying lead changes. <laughs> flying lead changes, man. I know it's a camel. So well, no, you know what? So what? It's a camel. Yeah, it's but still they don't. Man. When you normally see camels, they don't look real graceful. Well, when do you normally see camels? A hiking movie, through, in, in the movies. That's right, hiking through the desert. Well, it's just like anything. You're getting a little sound bite. A, 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 you know, they're showing you what they think you think a camel should look like. All right. Well, does that mean you're <laughs> going to be getting one for your next dressage test? Possibly. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm still thinking about hunting a donkey or a mule. So <laughs> I know I, there's I, hunting mules. I do know that. Yeah. Well, I believe in, in great potential of all kinds of animals. Well, this one did have, let me tell you, it could compete in any dressage show. <laughs> yeah. And he, well, didn't he, he did it with the, um, it was a, an Arab that he was. Yes, he was in doing. with another with a horse doing right. it at the same time. Uh, it was interesting. It was fun. We'll put the video. If you haven't seen it, I know it's 300,000 people have seen it on YouTube. So if you're one of the few that haven't seen it, we'll put it in our show notes at stablescoop.com for episode number 25. All right. Now, do you want to you want to go over the weird news? This is from up your way, actually. Yeah. Figures. <laughs> Yet another reason why I should move down south. <laughs> okay, we have um let's see how do I put this? Um, we should mention it's from Aaron Ryder. We actually got this from Aaron Ryder over at the horse.com. Yeah. She had highlighted this and she actually has a weird news blog section. So uh, Yeah, what did you call it uh, from the files of gee, I wish I had a weird news blog? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, actually this came out of um Wired magazine which covers all things geeky and technology oriented. Um the the it's okay. What it is is a headless donkey <laughs> machine. I don't know why they call it a donkey machine, but I think it's that not. was maybe her term. They actually said it. They actually call it a. Well, no, they did call it a creepy headless donkey machine. Well, they, well, yeah, they call it a, a robotic pack animal, and it's a robot that's got four legs, so it's sort of like a donkey. Um, so it's a robot critter that can climb hills, navigate icy surfaces, jump, run, and all while carrying stuff. Now, unlike a real living creature, mule or donkey, it doesn't need to be fed. It doesn't get tired. And um, (laughs) it doesn't have a head. So when you watch it move, it's very lifelike. Its movement is very, very lifelike, especially when you see the tester in the video. He pushes it to show you how it can right itself so it doesn't fall over. And we're not Um, talking, and I think we should clarify, we're not talking a foot tall. This thing's human size. It's big. Well, yeah, I would say he's about the size of a, a, a pony. A small, yeah, a small it's not pony. a little tiny thing that you normally would see. Well, the guy takes his foot and he pushes it over and it stumbles just as if it were a real creature. And it's the whole act of righting itself or catching itself from falling that is so incredibly lifelike. And yet it has no head. And it it's... It's just, it's not right. No, it is very <laughs> it's, creepy. It's so it's not right. very, very creepy. And it makes a weird sound. Let me see if you can hear this sound. It makes, <laughs> they're going to have to change this or it's just going to totally freak people out. Yeah. Can you hear that? Yeah, it sounds like buzzing. It sounds buzzing. like a bee, a huge bee. And it kind of looks like a big bee. 
Mm. Well, you know, it's, yeah, that's it. It, it looks like a bee, and its legs are bee-shaped legs, not really donkey-shaped legs. But it is unbelievable how it can walk and run and right itself and avoid obstacles. I mean... Okay. You know, actually, the the, um, the name of the company that developed this thing is uh, Boston Dynamics, and they named it. It does have an official name. It's called Big Dog. Um, so I'm just reading the article here that they have up on uh, the Wired Blog Network. So, uh, yeah, Big Dog from Boston Dynamics. Well, apparently Boston Dynamics has done some less creepy kind of robots, too. This one's by far the creepiest. Now, we have to also clarify that it's being developed for the Department of Defense. So maybe the idea is it is supposed to be creepy. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. It would I mean, I would me love out. to see if, if I could really find why... You um, attach a Gatling gun or some machine guns to that thing and it's coming towards you? That would, yeah. be, that would freak me out. Well, you know, even the other stuff, the um, Boston Dynamics made something called R-Hex, which is a smaller... It's like maybe eight inches off the ground, rectangular, sort of flat. Even that's creepy. And, you know, it's almost like you can see the human intelligence that's been programmed into the robot. Well, yeah, especially when you see this one walk on ice and it just doesn't slip. And oh, it's just amazing. I mean, even though there's there's technology, programmed technology that that's driving these machines, you can see through their movements and through, I mean, they don't make decisions or maybe they do. I don't know what you actually call that when you can program intelligence into a, a machine, but you can, I think that part of the human person who developed these machines, you can see that in the way they move. And that I think is what's really creepy. Well, we'll put that video on the show notes as well. <laughs> now that we've told, if you haven't seen this video, you have to watch, I mean, it's going to freak you out, but it's just a robot. I mean, I keep saying, I kept saying to myself, why is this freaking me out? It's just a robot. Yet it goes beyond anything else I've seen as far as movement and the yeah. incredible nature of a lifelike robot. <laughs> it's just, well, I maybe if they put a, a nice skin on it and a head, it would Well, they be said they're going to put something over it to make yeah. it a little more, a little nicer looking. Less like a Star Wars creature. Yeah, but, you know, who knows who who's buying this stuff? If it's a private company selling to the government, you know, uh, I think maybe the who government... Who knows what skin they'll put on it then? Well, no, I think a government official might, might like it in its current state, you know? Yeah, who knows what it's... these guys are shopping for? Anyway... That's that's our that's our weird creepy thing for the week. <laughs> I think it's a great way to start off the segment. There we go. So check that out at stablescoop.com. All right, from creepy to to normal and improving your business. Uh, does your website have issues? Maybe your customers do an emergency dismount from your shopping cart or you have a website that's that is as elusive as in the search engines as that hard to catch mare in, in your pasture. Well, come to the Webmanship Clinic on March the 2nd and learn how to easily and inexpensively market your equestrian business online. Visit webmanshipclinic.com to register today. You can learn actually more about it and take a listen to our episode number 22 of the Stable Scoop Show as we had on with us Matt Bailey of SiteLogic Marketing. Matt is a very well-known and respected speaker and consultant in the subject of SEO marketing. That's search engine optimization marketing to get your website higher up in Google. 
And with the economy the way it is now, now is not the time to forget marketing and to put it aside. It's actually the time to really concentrate on marketing your equine business. And you definitely don't want to give up on marketing now. So visit webmanshipclinic.com and learn more today. You remember we had him on a while back and he talked about this. And I really do think it's a it's a neat thing that if you're looking to improve your business and you're uh, looking to improve your website, whether it be for a stallion uh, site, maybe you have a stallion site or you have a barn site or you have an equine retail site, whatever it is. Or even if you're a freelance trainer or instructor. Right. Whatever it is that you have, you have a, you know, uh, a link portal site. There's a lot of those out there now for the equine world. Yep. You you need to get noticed and you need to get, get high up in, in Google. And they, they said they've actually had quite a bit of response from people and uh, some people that could make the clinic. You can also talk to them. They'll do private sessions with you as well. So if you can't make the clinic on March the 2nd, give them a call anyway. It's definitely worth the money. It's not a lot of money, but you'll walk away with um, a whole new perspective on how to drum up new business for, for your business. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to this, this this interview. I was looking forward to this so much because, as I said, every time we go to Orlando, we go to Arabian Nights. We absolutely love this show. And I'm looking forward. We, we actually asked Arabian Nights if we could speak to the barn manager because, obviously, we're a horse-related show. And we <laughs> want to speak, you know, I don't want to speak to an actor. I want to speak to the barn manager. So they were kind enough to have her come on. And we have with us now Arden Tillman, who's the barn manager for Arabian Nights. Hi, Arden. We appreciate you being on the Stable Scoop show with us this week. It's so much fun to get to talk to you. Well, I'm glad to be here, and I'm happy to talk with you as well. I have to say that my wife and I have seen uh, the Arabian Nights show. We were counting it today, and we've seen it six times. All right. Yeah, and so we love Arabian Nights. It's one of our favorite things. Anytime we're in Orlando, we go. We just bring friends and whoever's there and say, you have to go watch the show. It's so well, good. we appreciate that. Can we appreciate you, that. I'm very glad that you come. Can you tell us? I guess us, I'll have to make a trip down there. Going you're going to have to show. see it. I'm telling you, this is one of the best shows in the country. Okay. okay. So now, well, if it you, sounds like it's a lot warmer than where you are, too. Yeah, yeah. We're having a little bit of an ice storm here today. So, <laughs> so let me ask you, just tell us a little bit, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this because we really want to get to the horses, but just tell us okay. a little bit about the history of Arabian Nights and how it got started. Well, Arabian Nights is definitely a one-of-a-kind venue, and it did have an interesting start. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with a farm called Almara Arabians. It's based in Arizona, and um, a woman named Basie Tankersley is the owner of Almara Arabian. She was one of the first people in the U.S. to start importing Arabians. Her son, uh, his name is Mark Miller, he had this idea that he was going to move down to Florida and start a theme park that was based on horses. And so he and his wife came down here about 25 years ago and they started planning. And right about the time they were starting to settle their plans, Universal Studios opened up. So they decided they wouldn't start competing with another theme park. So they adjusted their plans a little bit and they created a dinner show. So we've been in operation now for almost 22 years. And um, the show developed as it has. We've had a lot of interesting people and a lot of great horsemen come through as well as a lot of great entertainers. And we've developed, um, that was our essential beginning, and we've just developed from there on to what we're today. Well, I'll tell you what, it is fantastic. It's one of the coolest things. How did you start there? Well, I was born and raised in Orlando, Florida, and I was a horseback rider. I started riding about 20 years ago. And um, as a lot of as a lot of kids do when they're 
working through their through high school. Uh, once you graduate, you go on to college and maybe you join an equestrian team or sometimes, you know, you just kind of fall off. College is very demanding and, and it's hard to balance out college life and still maintain a career riding because after you're 18, you can go professional. There's a couple different directions, but it changes pretty much. And so I wasn't going to go professional with my horse career as far as horse showing and competing in the Arabian circuit. I grew up on Arabian horses and I hadn't been riding for about a year after I graduated high school. I was focusing on college and I was working as well. And I got to the point where I just, I, I couldn't take not riding anymore, but I wasn't sure what I could do. And I figured I've, I've certainly spent a good portion of my life learning horses. So there must be something I can do to make a living as well as enjoy the horses. And um, I was from the Orlando area and I had seen the show when I was younger. You know, my pony club came here for one of our annual banquets and just kind of on a whim, I got a hold of the person who was the head trainer at the time and she gave me an audition and offered me a position. And so that's how I, that's how I came here. I was hired originally as a performer, which is interesting because most girls who grew up riding horses are far from performers, but that's the way most of us come here as horseback riders. And we learn to perform here. We're also a training facility. And so it was a little over five years ago that I was uh, first given my first job here. What was the audition like? What did that consist of? Um, it was actually very basic, and still the auditions that we hold today are, are very casual, they're very comfortable. Um, we're very familiar with our horses and all the disciplines they're trained in. So when someone comes to audition with us, um, it's, it's very casual, very friendly. We just put them on some of our horses that we know uh, they're well-trained and, and will be safe and, and not necessarily easy to get through the audition, but the well-trained horses, we can evaluate someone's riding ability. We have a lot of different disciplines here and a lot of people with a lot of different backgrounds. So we have people from all walks of life come to audition. And when they come, we'll, we'll go over what the job would entail that they're auditioning for. And then we put them on one of our horses and just ask them to put them through their paces just to get an idea for what their level of riding is and where they might fit into the show. And then, of course, ask them a couple questions about why they would want to work here and where they see themselves fitting in and very comfortable and relaxed the whole time. We have a good time with our auditions, uh, but it's, it's basically a riding audition to see someone's riding level. And um, again, like I said, we are a training facility. We're not just a performance venue. We also train. And so we take people of all different riding backgrounds and comfort levels, just depending on what the show needs at the time. All right, Glenn, that's it. It was nice working with you. I'm going down to Orlando. I'll tell you what. It, 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 <laughs> Put me on the audition to, list, please. I know. This has to be like a dream job for you. It really is. It's a wonderful job. Um, when I was growing up, I I had a hunter-jumper and dressage background, and, and so a lot of a lot of girls competing. It's, it's a common field. It's a big field. Um, but when I came to Arabian Nights, I mean, there's the opportunity to learn trick riding, um, bareback riding, which is something different than what I actually thought it was when I started. Most people bareback is riding their horse without a saddle. There's actually uh, a, an artistic style of riding called bareback. And it's the one where we use the larger draft horses and you stand on the horse while they're going around and perform your tricks. We have acrobats here that do backflips on the horses. Um, I was taught to do some of the bareback riding, definitely not the acrobatic part. I forgot that far, but um, <laughs> we have, 
we have trick riding, we have bareback riding, we have liberty, which is where the horse is at liberty and you learn how to do it. It's like a dance. That's how we describe it with the horse without any equipment on the horse. And um, you're still giving them commands and working very closely with them. We have garrocha, which is the Spanish, the Spanish cowboys, so to say. Um, We have reining horses here and we have a very strong base riding and dressage all the way up through high school level. So it really was a dream come true because there's, the wonderful opportunity to be paid to learn many different disciplines with many different horses. It's really a wonderful time. The show is always changing. There's always the opportunity to learn something. So you're never, ever bored at this job. Well, you, you know, you, actually, Arabian Nights is the first place I ever saw Tommy Turvey. He was there oh. years ago, and he, he was the first time I ever saw him. He was performing there. I don't know if he had come in for just, you know, a short stint or was there for a period of time. I'm not sure, but... Yeah, Tommy Turvey, uh, Tommy Turvey, he was here for a period of time, I think a couple years actually, and he was, of course, a horseman before he came here and an entertainer, but right. just like so many of us, this is a perfect venue to to really develop your skills and learn different styles of riding and, and practice. You know, he has his comedy routine. I don't know if you've ever seen his comedy routine. Oh, it's very um, funny. He developed, <laughs> he worked on that and developed that here as well. Um, we just have so many different people, so many different backgrounds that I, it's it's a wonderful training facility, and then we get the chance to dress up and practice it every night. Uh, see, that's the thing. You guys get to actually do it every night, which is a, which is a huge difference from any other kind of venue. Um, yes. So now, do you have mostly – now, it's called Arabian Nights, but I know that you have a bunch of different breeds of horses there. We do. We have about 12 different breeds represented. Right now in our stables, we have 59 horses, um, about – 40 of those are Arabians, and we have a pretty diverse group of horses after that. We have um, a Belgian Pink Cross, we have some Percherons, we have Quarter Horses, Appaloosas, some Canadian Warm Bloods, Morgans. Um, who else have we got back there? We have a Saddlebred. Um, and it, it really, our herd does fluctuate depending on what we need, um, who's here, and what acts we have in the show. The, ch- the show does regularly change. So just depending on all of that, we've got a couple ponies. <laughs> so depending <laughs> on what the show needs depends on what we had. For a while, we had a lipizzan drill in the show, and so we had a couple of lipizzaners here with us. And then that, that routine was shifted out of the show, and some of those horses um, remained and stayed in part of different parts of the show for a while, or they ventured on to their, their next job, their next home, whatever it might be. And so um, right now we're mostly Arabians. We're really heavy on Arabians right now, but, of course, that's the breed. Mark Miller decided to open the venue with because Arabians are a very versatile breed of horses. Um, they're they're able to do anything and everything that you ask them to. Um, they're really a wonderful breed of horse to work with, very intelligent and very willing. So that's why we have mainly Arabians. That's how we got started with them. What would you say are the, the top two characteristics of a horse um, that make them ideal or make them suited for this type of show environment? Whether it's an um, Arabian or a, another another breed type, what are like the, the first two things you look for that are must-haves? 
Sure. The first two things, really all of the horses that stand out in my mind is our strongest performers, our most versatile horses. They're very intelligent and they're very eager to learn and work. They love to perform. Some of our horses just light up, just like people. There are horses that are born to be in the spotlight and some that are not. And our horses love to learn new things. The ones that have the most successful career here, of course, they love to learn. They love to work with their with their handlers and they love to perform, believe it or not. They really do. They enjoy being in the spotlight and working the show. Well, you can tell that too when you're watching the show. It, it you can really tell that the horses get into it. And there is a you know, it's a setup, there's a huge stadium. As a matter of fact, I think I read that you guys have one of the largest indoor venues there is for this kind of thing, right? It's huge. Yes, if um, I believe I'm correct in saying that we have the largest indoor equine showing facility, a dinner theater um, in the country, in the United States. We see uh, 1,200 people, and um, our arena, the actual arena that we perform in, is the largest for any equine dinner theater in the country. And um, we have a pretty, pretty, pretty fun arena to play in every night, and we fill it up. Our horses love to perform in it, so we, we have a good time. Yeah, I read it was 56,000 square feet. That's big. Yeah. <laughs> That's really yes, big. it's very big. Now, it you is guys very also big. do your own breeding, right? No, we don't do any okay. breeding on property. Um, in the beginning of Arabian Nights, when they were first starting, they did, they, they did do some breeding on property, but our environment is very busy and there's a lot going on for our horses. And it just came to a point that as the show grew, as we were, I guess you could say developing a wider fan base as we were putting on more shows for more people, it became an environment where we had to focus more on the show. And so the horses are constantly learning. The people are constantly learning. And we, it came to a point where Mark Miller decided that breeding on property was just one of the things that wasn't going to be our focus anymore. Um, we, we needed to dedicate more of our time and energy to the horses that were being trained and learning. So, um, of course, Mark owns all of the horses that are here, and he does have a small farm off property, and he does his own breeding there. But on our property here and in our show, we don't have any breeding. Do you, do you uh, have turnout there? I, I was wondered that because it's sort of set up. It's an all-inclusive building, and I didn't, I didn't see anything behind it. Is there turnout for the horses at all, or are they in all the time? We do have some turnout paddocks. Um, we have a couple small paddocks set up outside, and uh, we'll turn some of their horses, small groups of time, out together. And we'll turn uh, a pretty good group, maybe 10 or so, out in the arena um, at a time. It's a, it's a very big arena and lots of space for them to run. So we have a couple small outdoor paddocks where they're they're turned out. Occasionally they're turned out into the arena, but most of our horses do get their exercise and activity from daily training and practice and then, of course, the show. So, um, Arden, how many um, performers do you have or on staff or actually how many staffers do you have in general that actually have to put on that you need in order to support one dinner show? Right now we have about 25 staff that's staff members that are directly involved in the barn. We have a couple gentlemen who come in in the mornings and they, they do the morning feeding and they do the morning uh, the stall cleaning and just kind of making sure everybody's there getting the day started. And then on staff with performers, we have about 22 on, uh, yep, 22 performers. And the performers are very intimately involved in the care of the horses as well. When you're hired here as a performer, it's not just a performer. It's also to take care of the horses. We take on a large portion of that work ourselves because it's important. We know the horses better than anybody else, so who better take care of them? 
Right. So all of the performers, um, in addition to performing their various roles in the show at night, also play different roles backstage in the stables, uh, different aspects of caring for the horses. We have two gentlemen that are um, farriers. They don't practice that full time, but of course they help us with with shoeing occasionally. A horse throws a shoe, they're there. All of the performers help with the feeding and daily care of the horses. And so there's about 25 of us that just spend our time taking care of these horses and putting on the show. And do the do the horses get any downtime? Is there is it a seasonal operation or, um, you know, they kind of have off an off season? <laughs> Certainly, uh, no. We well, of course, we have our slower seasons. You know, when everybody's back in school, we have less shows. But we are open 365 days a year. We're here open every day that we possibly can be. I think actually the only time we haven't had a show in the last several years is when Florida went through that series of hurricanes that came through, and um, we were we. We went dark for a couple of days just to recuperate and make sure everything was as it should be. But we're here every single day. Like I said, we have about we have 59 horses in the barn, and we can run our show with uh, 15 horses if we needed to. Um, generally, we, we run with more like 20 a night. But with 60 horses on property and only 20 per night, there's plenty of opportunity to rotate the horses in and out. You know, we have some younger horses that are energetic and ready to go every night. And so they'll perform more frequently than some of our older veterans who are closer to retirement. So it depends on the horse and what they do in the show. But all of our horses have plenty of opportunity to rotate out if they're, it's easy to horses getting a little bit burned out or a little bit tired because just like for people, it can become a job for the horses, too. They go out and they do the same thing every night. And so if they're getting a little tired or they need a little rest, of course, we have plenty of opportunity to schedule that in for them. And for the most part, the horses are on a pretty steady rotation when they have a night or two off a week. So yeah. now do you do you uh, still work, work with the training? I know you're the barn manager there. What does your job entail? Are you basically over all of the people who take care of the horses? you over all over the whole care of the horses and training or a little bit of everything? Um, a little bit of everything, yes. I, w- I would certainly say yes to that, but it's definitely not a uh, not something I do on my own. Like I said, everybody plays a very intricate role, and I have wonderful, wonderful performers and employees that care very much about our horses and have an extensive knowledge, and, and they help in every aspect as well. But uh, I do a little, a little bit of everything, I guess you could say. I do still perform in the show. That's not my main focus, but having been here for five years, I I am able to perform the majority of the show and so if okay, there's an so. injury or an accident on a person's part i'm able to to step in and take a performance role even if we're just low shorthanded one night i'll step in can you um, do, but yes can you do multiple different roles having seen the show here so can you do multiple sure. different ro- roles or do you all stick with the same roles or do you do you practice different roles as well uh, we all we all practice different roles, and again, like I said, as we come and as any employee comes and trains and learns the different disciplines, the more they're able to do in the show. Okay. And so, on a nightly basis, depending on on who's scheduled and which performers are working each night, um, would depend on okay who's here and knows this part and is trained in. We try and balance the the show out amongst our performers, so everybody has a pretty even night as far as number of acts and what they're doing, and uh, it. It just depends on who's here for the night. But the ultimate goal, theoretically, is for everybody to be able to do everything in the show. Um, Sometimes for each individual, that could take 10 years for them to accomplish that goal. Or depending on their riding background, they might be able to do that within two or three years. So everybody is trained to do as many roles as they possibly can, as their skill and ability allows them to do. And then 
we arrange it on a nightly basis. It's kind of like a big jigsaw puzzle. That's for me to put together. <laughs> and, uh, so you're, oh, you're involved we, in we, that too, then. So you're yes, a producer as well. Um, in a way, you could yeah. say I'm. You you could look at it that way. That's it's not the way I think about it. I'm just here. I know what everybody does. I know what they're capable of doing, and so I balance it all together depending <laughs> on who's here. Well, that's the job of a producer. <laughs> it sure well, is. I guess you could say that. <laughs> so <laughs> Certainly. now I think you should get a raise because now you have an additional an additional title. <laughs> Well, I can definitely connect you with the show director okay. if you want to tell her that. <laughs> well, you know, it's fantastic, actually. She caught uh, on quick, Glenn. You yeah, she did. And she went really humble to, hmm. They're right down the street, literally right down the street from Medieval Times. So, yes, uh, yes. so we used to go from one to the, you know, one night we'd be at your place and the next night at Medieval Times, too. And they're both fun in different ways. You're, you guys definitely are better at the horsemanship aspect of the show whereas they're well, more just you. for entertainment and and uh you know more of the medieval thing so what's your favorite horse oh that's a very difficult question <laughs> that's why I asked um that. i would I, I would have to say i have two i love them all very much i love all of our horses but um there's two that i would have to say tie for for my favorite. So we have an, a gray Arabian gelding. His name is Sharif. And he was the very first horse that I was put on to ride consistently in the show. He's a very talented, very athletic Arabian. And I just love Sharif. He and I get along famously. So he holds a special place in my heart. And um, actually, we have a saddlebred here. His name is Confederate Gold. And we call him Confetti. And he is just a pleasure to ride. He's a very eager, happy, lovable horse. And so he's just a pleasure. And uh, I, I would have to say those are my two favorites if I was going to name them. But I love them all. <laughs> That's very diplomatic. Yeah. Well, no, but it's true. You know, it's hard. I know. I'm when, just... when you see these horses working their little butts off, yeah. you know, day in and day out, you, you do love them. But... You know, like any relationship, you, you happen to click or bond with one a little bit more than the other. It doesn't diminish your love for the rest of the group. Certainly. Yeah, exactly. So we always ask everybody, what is one of the funniest things that's happened since you've been there? This, the thing that stands out in your mind like, oh my, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. Or it was just one of those things that totally stood out during a show or back, you know, after a show. Oh, well, those moments always happen for us during the show. <laughs> um, well, I would have to say, and I hang my head in shame, <laughs> there was there was one night that uh, I was actually playing the role of the princess, and there's uh, a portion of the show where the princess comes out, as you know, at the end, and she rides the black stallion bareback. He comes blazing out of the curtain, you know, at a, at a, at a gallop, and she's... <laughs> bridleless and saddleless. She doesn't have a saddle or a bridle on. And um And to set the scene for everybody, my... the music is blaring usually. Yes, yes. It's it's a it's it's a very intense moment in the show. It's yes. a very triumphant moment. And so it was actually my very first night that I was trained in to play this particular role. And um I practiced during the day and it was great fun and this is wonderful. And so I put the costume on and I, I must mention that the skirt is a satin skirt we are riding in a very long skirt but it's made of satin and we don't have a saddle on and um as i was mounting up onto my horse um bareback of course in a satin skirt the one of the other girls who is also capable of playing that role said hey you, you took him out and lunged him today right 
No. Oh, God. <laughs> no, I, I didn't. Oh, yeah, you have to do that every time you ride him in the show. Uh. Oh. Well, I... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So we go blazing out the curtain, bucking and jumping, and I go flying. Oh, no. So you were the one I saw oh. that night. Uh, very well I've been. <laughs> Long black hair, blue dress, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so my, my valiant prince, he came out, of course, and helped me back onto my noble steed, and we carried on. But it was it was my crowning moments i must say for embarrassing things to happen to me in the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's not really what you want to happen in that particular scene although it not makes good really. dinner theater. yeah it makes good dinner theater yeah <laughs> you know that's the thing about live theater you never know what's going to happen and the show must go on I so did, you're I, in for interesting i interesting can't agree anymore i owned an acting company for 10 years and it was always a joy to see the different things that happen every night and you guys do the same show every night but it's not the same every night um, no, it's not exactly the same. Like because I like I was mentioning earlier, d- depending on depending on the the staff that we have here, which performers are here, and uh, which horses are working for that particular night, it is like a jigsaw puzzle. And so all of the acts we have all of the same acts in the show every night. But for example, in the in the bareback act with the, the acrobatics on the horses, the backflips. Well, of course, we have more advanced acrobats than others, and so on certain nights we have bigger tricks or a longer act, depending on who's here. And uh, the horses and people rotate out from night to night, um, so it, it does fluctuate. I would we probably never had the exact same show twice. Very similar, and unless you saw it frequently, you wouldn't know the difference. But it does fluctuate. Right. Well, we certainly appreciate it. Helena, do you have any other questions before we... Uh, no, I just, I, I want to come down there and go see the show, uh, you know, boy. I mean, you know, what I'm doing, too, is as we're listening, as we're, um, as we're, we're talking about this, I'm flipping through your website, and I'm just amazed at the customer testimonials. Um, you know, people compare the show to some other well-knowns, and in almost every testimonial, they say that, that Arabian Nights blown away any other horse show they've seen um and and even non-horsey people who've come to orlando on vacation have said how surprised they were that they would enjoy something that was horse related so much so and we have brought horse friends and non-horse friends and they've all loved it it's just a it's just a fantastic show it's well produced the music's great um and and uh you know when arden plays the princess it's it's perfect (laughs) so yeah (laughs) And I wanted to mention, yes. too, that they, you know, it's arabian-nights.com, and yes. they're there every night. You can you can get tickets, you know, except for the busiest seasons. You, you should get reservations, but you could probably get in. You can call them ahead of time and just show up and get tickets at the door, too. They do hold 1,200 people. And it's yeah. dinner. You also yeah. get dinner during it. Let's not forget that. So. Yeah, and that's if you look yeah. at the menu on their website, that's a serious dinner. Yeah, what uh, what better could there be than horses and food? I mean, that is true. What do you guys use? Do you, what, I do have a question, a technical question. What do you use for footing? For footing? Yeah, for the arena. Because it doesn't get real dusty. No, it doesn't get real dusty, and there are a couple gentlemen here that would be so happy to hear you say that. Uh, the footing we use is is a type of mulch that breaks down. Uh, our arena was, was set 20, 22 years ago, and essentially there's not a bottom to our arena. It has a natural filtration system, and so we use a mulch-type footing on the top, and it breaks down, and as it breaks down, it's, and of course we, we 
drag the arena and take care of it. As it breaks down, the finer stuff sifts to the bottom, and, and it follows the natural filtration system. But it does take a lot of work. Um, some of our gentlemen work very, very hard on the arena to keep it level and balanced, and also to water it. That's what keeps the dust down majority. Uh, the majority of the time is that we water our, water the arena with a fire hose twice a day. And so uh, it takes a lot of care and attention, but it, it's a really great footing because it's diverse for everything we do. We have raining, we have jumping, we have bareback horses, we do all types of things, and it's a great footing for everything that we do. So it takes some time and attention, but it's able to suit the what we need it to do for the, for the diverse background or for the all of the horses and many things they do. Yeah, that's very important when you have an enclosed arena like that where you have people on both sides sitting in these tiers eating their dinner. You know, it, yeah. it, I, I'm so thrilled we got to speak to you today and learn a little bit more about what goes on backstage. I did want to mention, too, do you guys still do the backstage tours? We do. Every, every single show we have a VIP tour offered. Um, I think it's an additional amount, 15 or $17 yeah, dollars like or so. 15 bucks if I remember and, right, yeah. Yeah, I believe so. And uh, you're able to actually, you go in a little bit early. You go into the arena ahead of everybody else. And uh, we have some horses set out that everybody comes in. And you you can meet some of our horses and pet them. You get to sit on one of the big draft horses. And um, we also have the stables open at that point. So you walk back and just freely view and tour the stables. The performers are out there and greeting everybody as they come in and introducing some of the horses and just explaining more about what we do and how things operate backstage. Well, I'll meet you there tomorrow night, Helena. What do you say? I'll be there. Okay, good. Well, well, come Arden. on out, and I'll be waiting for you. All right, Arden. I'll Thank tell you, you what. Arden. If we ever come down there, we're going to look you up. Well, please do. Please do. And I, I can't wait to meet you face-to-face and to for you to come see the changes we have in the show. I know. It's been, it's been, we, we think it's been about four years since we've been there, so there's lots of new stuff we have to go see. And, and we do there appreciate you being things. on. Uh, and we'll have you back again sometime, I'm sure. And, and good luck uh, with the rest of this year. Well, thank you so much. And it was great talking. All right. Thank bye, you, Arden. EasySignsOnline.com is pleased to announce a new line of signs that's now available on their website. In addition to their farm signs, stable signs, stall plates, and all the other choices you have, they now carry pet memorial markers. They're a long-lasting, maintenance-free outdoor sign, which is a great way to remember that special horse, dog, or cat. With many different shapes, sizes, and colors available, you can attach them to the barn, the fence, or even a post in the ground. Easy Signs Online will put your favorite picture of your pet right on the marker, or you can use a stock graphic. Most importantly, they're affordable. Ranging from only $49 to $69, it's a great way to remember that special animal in your life. So do remember that special friend today with an affordable pet memorial marker from EasySignsOnline.com. You may order online or call them at 1-800-640-8180. That's 1-800-640-8180. And until February 15th, for orders over $100, you get 20% off and free shipping. So give them a call today. I wanted to mention here that we do have a couple of other shows now on the Horse Radio Network. The 2010 radio show, the one that's all about WAG. This week we went into a little bit about the history of WAG and the test events that are coming up this year. Spoke about those and and all of the things that are going to be leading up to the World Equestrian Games. What's a test event? They're doing some national 
events this year at the horse park and that they're calling test events. They're actually the national events for for that particular discipline. And but they're doing them at the horse park this year so that they can test things out, make sure that the volunteers are are trained and that the systems work and you know that everything's ready. So they're doing a bunch of different disciplines this year year uh in addition to their regular schedule of shows at the horse park so that's that's on the 2010 show at 2010 radioshow.com and then the eventing radio show this week we actually had richard jeffrey who is the show jumping course designer for rolex and i thought at first well you know how interesting is it going to be talking to the course he was fascinating he he is fascinating um for a number of years, he designed the show jumping course up here at the Fidelity Investments Jumper Classic. Oh, yeah, yeah, and up in uh, Boston there. Up in Boston, yeah. And um, he participated in the press conferences before the, the event. And he always was such a wealth of information. You, you'd think, well, what what is the course designer going to have right, to talk about? Right. But, uh, wow, he's probably one of the most interesting characters on that the panel there. Yeah, yeah, he is. And it was an interesting interview. He talked about the new, he's got some new challenges because they got a new stadium and new footing this year. So he has some challenges coming up. And then he also spoke a little bit about, about, he's also the course designer for the eventing course at the world equestrian games. So he spoke about that and he's working with the course, the person who's the course designer for the show jumping at the world equestrian games. And Wait a minute, back up a second. Yep. He's the course designer for the eventing, the eventing show jumping show portion, jumping. Okay. Right. Of the, at the world equestrian games. But he's also working with the person who's going to do the show jumping, show jumping, uh, at the world equestrian games as well. Okay. So they're working together and, and they're really, they're designing all of their jumps uh, from scratch, so they're really trying to to mimic the local area here in Lexington and Kentucky with the jumps that they're designing and having built. Yeah. So it's really going to be fascinating, I think, to see what they come up with. Uh, it's going to be a truly unique course and unique jumps for the show jumping in both show jumping and eventing for the World Equestrian Games, and he speaks to that as well. Now, you said something about um, they have new footing. Yes. There. What is it? They're putting in this fancy footing. And if you go to 2010radioshow.com under the construction uh, blog that I have on there, you'll see this, uh, that they're doing this new, f- it's it's not new footing. It's called, it's an auto footing. They're out of Germany. And it's, it's a many layer uh, process to put this together. And they actually put it in the one ring, in the one warm up ring there at the Kentucky Horse Park last summer. And then we got to see it used for a jumper show in August. And let me tell you, this footing's incredible. First of all, it's very light and fluffy. Is it sand-based or is it chips It's sand and then this, this synthetic fiber mix, but underneath that's bases of stones and then this corrugated material that allows the water to run off. It's a layer-upon-layer layer kind of thing. Okay, cool. And there's a video, actually, on the 2010 radio show site about how they do it. And a lot of it's done by hand. They actually mix it. They mix this material by hand, and they put it in by hand. It's it's a very time consuming process, but he absolutely loves this footing. He said it's his, he said as far as footing go, footings go around the world, what they're putting in Kentucky is one hundred percent. It's ten out of ten. Richard said this. Yeah, and yeah. you know what I noticed when we were there watching a jumper show there that they were using this ring for is that it poured. We had a deluge of a downpour like you get in Kentucky in the summer sometimes, a uh, thunderstorm. An hour later, they were riding on it. It didn't even look like it rained. There were no pu- there was nothing. 
Wow. It, it looked like it, it looked like it had been dry for a week. Huh. Uh, it's incredible footing, and they they just started two weeks ago to put the footing that new footing down in the new outdoor arena at the park. So they're starting to get that in now, so it should be done in plenty of time. Uh, but it, so I it guess is, I'm going to have to go over and listen to one of our own shows. Yeah, you're just going to have to go <laughs> listen to the shows. So that's at eventingradio.com. You can hear the interview with Richard, and we do, we're really concentrating on Rolex leading up to Rolex, and then after Rolex we'll start focusing on some of the other big events coming down the pike. Next week we are continuing a tradition. Uh, we are going to have our annual Equine Cupid episode. It's, of course, Valentine's Day, the end of next week on Saturday. So if you remember correctly, when we did the Talking Equine show a while back, we, we at Valentine's Day, we had our Equine Cupid section, and we actually talked about horse people and love, and, and we had people on from one of the horse dating services and all of that stuff. Well, we're going to do that every year. So next week, you want to listen in if i you know i don't know how you felt but it was one of my favorite shows that we did <laughs> yeah it was just so much fun because it was so light and fluffy well uh, you know what made it great was that we had people write in to tell us their their stories right didn't we wasn't yeah, that i think we had actually that one started if i remember correctly we had a lady write in and she asked the question which i'm sure will come up next week is it better to marry a guy who's into horses or one who doesn't know anything about horses all right. So that's how it all started. And we actually had her on, and then the whole conversation went from there. And, of course, that is the age-old question in the horse world. I was just talking about this with my barn mate yesterday. Were you? The same thing, yeah. Do you go for a horse guy or not? And she says no. She says absolutely not. She was married to one. That didn't work out. She says absolutely not. So how do you, say, you're obviously married to a non-horse guy. So is, is it better to have a horse guy or not? I think it's better to not. Because he doesn't get in your business? Because <laughs> he doesn't get in my business. <laughs> I would like for him to be marginally involved. You know, like I'd love to have a husband horse. He gets on. He comes out, goes for a hack. can maybe throw some hay or muck a stall if I'm down with the flu. But I, I don't want him getting all up in my kitchen, you know, getting <laughs> looking for a trailer and taking his horse to shows. And no, I don't want that. You know, it's funny because I was a non-horse husband when we got married, and then I got converted into one because we had a big boarding stable, and I had no choice. Um, But then I ended up becoming a horse person and owning driving horses and and draft horses and the like. So So that was a little bit different than what your wife did. Yeah, she was an inventor. Right. So, you know, and she trained and she taught lessons and worked with the pony club and things. So I was doing something that was a little bit different in the driving aspect of it. We used to belong to the Lancaster Driving Club, which was a whole lot of fun. Every Sunday, they would have a drive. They don't do this anymore. Every Sunday, they would have a drive around Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, which is Amish country. It's a beautiful country. And we would go on 14, 12 to 14-mile drives. So it would be four to five hours, uh, these drives. And there would be 20 to 30, sometimes 40 carriages there. Mm. And they, the police would stop the traffic for us at intersections so we could just keep going. And so we had police escorts and we'd go through cities and people would come out of their houses to see us because we had foreign hands, singles, pairs. And, you know, one of the coolest things about these the, these uh, drives we did every weekend, it was led by this guy. He was an older gentleman who had this this wagon that had a calliope in it. And it was pulled by six little miniature horses. Wait, what's a calliope? 
Well, Calliope oh. is sort of like it, it was used in the circuses. It's this big music machine. They're usually right, pretty big. I'm going to look this up. All Hold right, on. you look it up. <laughs> I, I don't know how to describe it. It's like these bells and whistles and Calliope. Calliope. Of... Here we go. All right. Okay. Wow. Um, hmm. It's it's old. Okay. Yeah, that's what I. They were old. This one was like a hundred years old. Well, it's sort of a concoction. It, yeah, it looks like an organ, but it's it's not really. Um, the first calliope consisted of 15 whistles of graduated sizes attached in a row to the top of a small steam boiler. And then it says that a long cylinder with pins of different shapes driven into it ran the length of the boiler. And so the pins were arranged so that when the cylinder revolved, they pressed the valves and blew the whistles in, po- in proper sequence. So... I guess it works kind of like in Oregon. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Uh, this one I think was run by uh, was gas, if I remember right. It was a yeah. Gas they have um, they have other ones. They they said the the cylinder in current times was replaced with a keyboard, and then they had wires, and so that was the original one. But. So now, if you can imagine, you've got forty carriages with four in hand teams and singles and ponies and carts and huge wagons and just all mules and all kinds of thing in a row, led by this calliope. And here I have some calliope music for you to give you an idea what it's like. <laughs> It's like circus music. Doesn't that that's remind you of awesome. the circus? Yeah. So that's what calliope music is. That's fabulous. Yeah. So that that was. <laughs> so what you we, had. So you were, you know, there moving along the streets with this thing leading the way. Yes, and then everybody would come out of their houses, and they'd all watch, and the kids would wave, and so it was a lot of fun. I mean, we did this in the middle of Philadelphia. <laughs> I mean, was, oh, wow. We did it through an amusement park once. So I had my pony there, who was the best pony in the world. And she, we were going through this amusement park with the roller coasters going and everything. And then we have this parade of carriages going down through the amusement park with all the rides going and the screaming and everything. And these horses did it. I mean, <laughs> Did you know that they would be fine with this whole thing? No, no. We didn't have any idea when we went to amusement park that people weren't going to freak out. The only time we truly had a problem, we used to take breaks at halfway through at parks and things like that to have lunch. Mm -hmm. So you all packed your lunch in your wicker baskets and the whole thing. So we were at this park in Lidditz, Pennsylvania. And beautiful park right in the middle of town. And Lidditz was one of the towns that they look forward to us coming every year. It was sort of like a parade. And so we didn't realize... That So now you, you've got about 40 rigs all just sitting there. You know, you're holding on to your horses or you're, you're, you're eating your lunch. And all of a sudden, this train engine comes up. The tracks are right beside the park. And he hits his brakes. And you know how they squeak oh, sometimes? Yeah. It sent about 20 of these ho- horse rigs just flying. God. I mean, just they just took off. It scared the crap out of them, and they just took off. My pony reared straight up. Uh, it was amazing. It just caught us all off guard because this thing came out of nowhere. And uh, the I, the most scary thing that happened that time there was a there was a pair of horses that took off and just missed running over a little seven year old who was sitting there in the grass by about a foot. Oh my god! Right in front of us, it just missed her by about a foot. It would have killed her. Oh, yeah. she must be destined to do, to do great uh, things. That was the scariest thing that ever happened in all the years we did those drives. 
uh, and the horses took off. And of course, there were we were sitting outside. Many of them were sitting outside the carriages. So you were either holding on to your horses or you know whatever. But you know, a lot of them, the drivers weren't even in the carriage. So it was a mess. That was a oh. mess. Oh. But we used to have a lot of fun. There's a personal story about my old days. Oh, see, this is what ta- sitting around and talking about the scoop is. This is I know. This is, you know. These are the kinds of conversations we have in the feed room over a cup of coffee while the horses are munching on their hay. I, I remember that time that the train <laughs> pulled up, the engine pulled up, and scared the bahooey out of my pony. All right. Well, let's. Uh, I think we should probably wrap up the show now. All right. So uh, next week, don't forget, we're going to have the uh, the equine Cupid episode. Look forward to that. That'll be a lot of fun. It's our Valentine's. A salute. And, uh, and if you send um, send an email, we actually, we would love to hear your stories. If you have um, a story about how horses either brought you together with someone special or perhaps <laughs> split you apart, <laughs> um, send us an email at geeks at horseradionetwork.com, and uh, we might be able to use it and talk about it on the air. Or, or just go to our website at stablescoop.com and go to the Contact Us section. You can give us a call or send us an email right through there, too. Yeah, let's hear it. Either way. So we look forward to that. That'll be a fun week next week. And our show notes can be found with all the links to today and the videos from today at StableScoop.com, episode 25. Uh, We're looking forward to you watching the creepy video from the weird news segment to this week. (laughs) And I think it's appropriate that we go out with some calliope music today. So here we go, Helena. We're going to head out today, and we'll see you next week on... We will be back with The Scoop. 